Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Ryan George, Chief Marketing Officer at DocuPace. Ryan was nominated in 2019 as the Chief Marketing Officer of the Year by Wealth Management Magazine. So Ryan's views of marketing are widely recognized by his peers and industry watchers alike. Ryan and I opened the podcast with a discussion of the Advisor Tech Solutions Map. We talk about the space and how it's expected to evolve over the next three to five years. Next, I tell Ryan that he's going to be giving a seminar called What Marketing Lessons Financial Professionals Are Missing in 2021. Ryan gives three ideas, including stop seeing marketing as a task that you can check off your to-do list. We finish with a discussion about thought leaders, who Ryan follows, and who he would recommend financial professionals follow. Here's a hint. Have LinkedIn open when Ryan starts rattling off names so you can check out their profiles. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Spread the word. So, Ryan, you got a lot of, a lot to live up to there. If you were nominated for Chief Marketing Officer, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Well, it's great to be here. I mean, if that intro is the best, it can't get much better than that. So, <laughs> so hopefully we can follow up on some, some good content today. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it's always great to have good material to uh, to start from. So uh, that's awesome. Well, give us a, give, Ryan, give us a quick intro about yourself and the work you do at DocuPace, so everybody, everybody kind of understands um, your perspective on things. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Ryan George. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at DocuPace. Um, if you're not familiar with DocuPace, many people may think of us as a document management solution provider because of our name. But what we really are is a provider of digitizing and automating operations in the financial advice and investment space. Um, financial services firms and wealth management firms use our platform, the DocuPace platform, which is cloud-based integrated software suite uh, to reduce back office expenses, improve efficiency, strengthen recruiting, uh, and overall enhanced experience for their advisors and their clients. And I can tell you just real quickly, uh, you know, there's quite a five things when I'm talking with um, that I think make DocuPay stand out alone. The first is we're really like that adrenaline shot for business. So we base, basically give that adrenaline shot to help the business move forward efficiently and effectively. Um, that we bridge gaps, eliminate friction, keep everyone on the same page. Uh, but we really sort of position digitization and automation at the center of the business processing strategy. And I think that's something that you know, I'm sure you've heard this before in the post-COVID world. That's something that a lot of people are having their focus towards. Boy, I, I, uh, you really hit on it there, with, especially in the post-COVID world. Uh, 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 I can't tell you the number of uh, financial advisors when I talk to them about their onboarding process. They, you know, they they almost seem to indicate that they make it up for the first time every time, and uh, that is not that, that that is not the way to gain uh, gain any efficiencies with your operations. Sure, and that's one of the things you know from an advisor transition standpoint and getting new, both getting new advisors and new clients on board. That's one of the things I think we're probably most proud of some of the work we've been doing at DocuBase. We, since 2016, um, actually 2017, we've been um, basically helping advisors narrow that sort of six month time frame to get to their new destination down to about anywhere from between 30 and 60 days. And I think that's, wow. you know, if we can get an advisor to the provider that they want 
to be with faster and more accurately and in, in with the you know majority of their clients intact, you know, that's a good outcome for us. Boy, I'll say. I'll say. That is, uh, you know, we uh, at FMG, we probably do anywhere from uh, 40 on a low month to 60 on a high month of uh, reps that uh, do broker-dealer changes, advisors that uh, change their uh, uh, their RAAs. And uh, uh, I always impress on the customer service team that, you know, we may do so many of those it feels old hat to us, but to a rep that's doing it, it is a it is a huge monumental decision in their business and their practice and then their their life going forward. Right. They're navigating into the unknown. And so people, um, you know, people like the professionals you work with that help can sort of hold their hand when they need to guide them when they need to um, and also provide, you know, the technology and the solutions that can help um, them, you know, be uh, successful in that new venture. I think, um, you know, th this is what we're here for. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's one of those n notions that, uh, um, you know, it, it, from from a, uh, uh, as I talk to the customer service reps, I say, you know, this is a, uh, as as this is this is as big of an event as ever happens for a financial professional. It really is. Uh, moving, uh, you get into the, the and and there are so many impediments to it from time to time. Where you know the Department of Labor, when they introduced new regulations to it, it slowed the process down. Uh, the the regulation by when that came out, there was a lot of concerns about that, and so it, you know it, it's it's a big move for advisors, and it's one that uh, that everyone handle with care. And uh, it sounds like you guys have done some great work in uh, underlining that handle with care. You know, I'm so glad you you mentioned that, just because you know I've had the benefit of working um, alongside in a professional stand uh, standpoint a lot of really wonderful advisors through my career, through my time at First Global and other periods of my career. And the thing that they've always imparted on me, if there's a, a piece of wisdom, you know, not being the person in the chair who takes the check from the client and is in, in charge, being the steward of their money, is what you just said, that this is a one, often a one-time event for a client to actually trust in an advisor to have that relationship. And so, you know, I, all the advisors I've always known have really taken that um, that honor with care and being able to to provide the best service they can. Right, right. Good stuff. All right, Ryan. Well, let's jump into it. Let's. Uh, I want to. Uh, I want to take this podcast really from macro issues in the financial services industry down to the micro issues. So, uh, micro issues. So, I want to start off with a couple of questions about the industry. Um, the the financial advisor tech solution space is thriving. You know, uh, uh, I'm sure many of the listeners here, and uh, I, I'm sure Ryan, you're aware of uh, Michael Kitesy's uh, publishes a solutions map of all the players in the industry, and I'm constantly amazed at how many new participants enter the space each year and how companies uh, maneuver within the within the space. If 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 you haven't seen it, uh, just uh, Google. Uh, financial advisor tech solution space, Michael Kitesy's, and it will take you to his blog post that has it. It's a it's a nice one page printout, and I would suggest everybody on the call do it just so they can get a real good feel for all of the advisor tech solutions in the space. Uh, Ryan, my first question, really for you, kind of uh, kind of at a high level, is how you uh, how you view the space and how you see uh, it evolving over the next few years. Well, this space is hot, as you described, and has been hot for a number of for a period of years now. And I think I don't I see that continuing to to go on to the future. If you're, you know, this is the the fintech map that you just spoke about is not particularly new. It's been out for a few years, and it's sure. been you know somebody who's been involved in the industry to see 
um, the logos on that map get smaller and smaller and smaller as they've been able to add more and more companies and more and more solutions providers, you know, onto that one page, which is a, you know, that's, that's a design, um, design feat in itself to get everybody onto that same page. It but sure is. It sure I, I think is. W- what we've seen recently, and I think um, is going to be a big trend for the rest of 2021 and, and into 2022 is this period of consolidation. So as, as technology has become available and capital has become available over the past decade, you've seen a sort of sprouting up of a lot of different, what I would call point solutions, which is if you have an email problem, there's a solving email. If you have a document vault problem, here's the document vault solution. And what you're seeing now is these ecosystems coming together, whether it's through mergers, acquisitions, or through strategic partnerships, or um, companies just you know coming together. I think you're starting to see these ecosystems where they actually place a, a big chunk of a firm's, of, of a financial advisory firms, whether it's at the broker dealer level or RA level, it can replace a, a big chunk of what they do. And I think that that consolidation, as people look to sort of work with one vendor versus five, I think sure. it's something that's really going to become, um, a, you know, a huge part of what we see here in the next 18, 24 months if, or, or beyond. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, uh, w- when I when I always pull up this chart, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm amazed at the number of uh, the new participants and how the how the existing participants kind of maneuver around the map. Um, as you and I were talking just before we started the podcast, uh, uh, J.P. Morgan today announced that it had purchased an ESG firm in uh, the the, Bay, the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, and the firm was in uh, it's J.P. Morgan's third acquisition in the ESG space. Uh, in the last, I think it was the last three or four years. So J.P. Morgan has really taken a, a putting a flag down in ESG. And uh, it, but it, but to me, as I read that, I go, boy, uh, the the financial advisor tech space is just you know it's getting money from all sorts of different spots. You have bigger banks like J.P. Morgan. You have private equity firms. And Ryan, as you see it, really they're they're kind of coming in and they're kind of rearranging the rearranging the the solutions to kind of bring different end to end solutions together. I take it. Sure. Well, there's, I mean, I was on a, a call this morning um, with uh, Cap Gemini and April Rudin. They had a, a kickoff of the wealth, the 25th anniversary of the wealth, uh, the wealth report, the global wealth report. And I think, as you've seen, um, you know, this wealth explosion in the United States over the past few decades and new generations of wealth coming in and de- really demanding um, different, t- different level of advice different level of experience from the advisor what you're what you're finding is technology is stepping in that gap to help advisors be able to do more uh, do more efficiently and and be able to provide a different experience than maybe um the the previous baby boomer generation would have looked for and i think that that's esg is one example you know one of the reasons that jp morgan is is making those acquisitions i imagine not having been inside the jp morgan boardroom i imagine it's has a lot to do with they're getting increased demand from their clients um, that are looking for that type of, um, and they're so and they're looking for that type of investment. So I, I think a lot of what you're seeing in the proliferation of different tools um, for uh, in, in, inside the, the Kitsis map is a lot of it has to do with um, these are client-driven needs. They're looking, their clients are going to their advisors and looking for assistance in this area, and so and in turn, the market is responding with solutions that can help um, provide that such. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, as I look at the map, uh, I see FMG is, you know, tucked in the, the bottom left hand corner in the digital marketing space. But as you look at FMG and the product line and some of the different tools and some of the different initiatives that uh, uh, that we're working through, uh, we, we could probably be placed in uh, two or three different quadrants. 
uh, DocuPace is under the document management area. As you look at the space, is that is that a good spot for you guys, or would you? Uh, how do you guys? How do you guys maneuver around here? How do you guys? What do you guys look for? And uh, as far as sure. how you're positioned and what what's uh, what's on what's on DocuPace's um, movement chart? Sure, I, I think DocuPace. Um, you know, part of docu document management is part of what we do. Um, but in the speaking in the acquisition level, we recently made an acquisition of our own um, with uh, the advisor compensation and compliance solution called Giacomo. And mm. what that really is doing is helping, you know, an expansion of uh, the back office system. So if there was a, a piece on this map that was just the back office, I think that's what you would see um, from, from DocuPace. But what, what that really means is, and I can sort of try to put that in layman's terms, is with document management and storage, um, one of our biggest powerful pieces is workflow engine. Um, so that's making sure that the documents and workup items get to the right place at the right time. So, so again, removing friction for that system. Um, client onboarding, advisor onboarding are you know solutions we can provide, provide in a digital space. Um, and then with a, a acquisition of Giacomo, you know, advisor compensation, accounting, and, and uh, surveillance and compliance. Um, you know, everything from e-blotters to books and records are a part of what we do. So you know, you could probably find us all over the map. Sure. Um, but with a name like DocuPace, we often find ourselves in the document management space. But we really <laughs> like we really like to see ourselves as that sort of um, integration center uh, in terms in terms of um, connecting with you know t the TAMP platform or CRM platform or even a, a digital marketing platform like FMG. So with DocuPace in the center, sort of providing that integration layer within the other uh, key tools within the back office. Yeah, you know, I was going to touch on that. Just the notion that some people, uh, some some reps uh, will use, and some advisors will will use different CRMs and go, "Gosh, you know, the CRM is doing what I need to do." But kind of maybe maybe give us a give us an idea of how DocuPace kind of inter integrates with uh, with those uh, with those CRM functions. Sure. So well, so we help take the information from the CRM and take it to the custodian. So you know, that's ah. through the, the the necessary processes, but. I, you know, I, when it comes to tool sets, I think that that's something that's really interesting to me. Um, I saw some research recently with, with Fidelity um, that, you know, about three out of four advisory firms have a CRM in place, um, but only, say, one out of 10 have a content marketing platform in place or have an automation platform in place. And so there's this disconnect between likely what firms think that a CRM is um, as a basically like a Rolodex in the sky versus using that <laughs> as information to really market yourself and position yourself with your firm and, and, and based and enhance the client experience. It's, it's um, there. I'm wondering when that, that gap will continue to close. Boy, ain't it the truth? Well, I talked to a rep uh, uh, who will remain nameless uh, within the last three weeks, who still uses an Excel spreadsheet for his CRM. And to which I just kind of just kind of sighed and said, boy, I tell you, the world has, you know, do you still use a flip phone, too? Because the world has gone by you pretty fast here. Yeah. And I think that, that so the challenge we have as marketers, even as, as solution providers is, um, you know, to, on the basic terms, they use that spreadsheet because that spreadsheet has worked. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what they know. And that's what they built their practice or built their their processes around. Finding ways to sort of inch them closer into the modern age is um, you know, it takes a lot of us time for us to slow down and really figure out ways to do so. Otherwise, we're just sort of talking over our customers, uh, over uh, over our customers' head. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. And, I, and one of the things I impressed on that advisor was the fact that, uh, boy, in the era of, uh, you know, the, we work in one of the most heavily regulated industries uh, in, 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 in the country. And, uh, you know, it's right up there with uh, government is regulated in a similar way, pharmaceuticals and financial services. And some of the rules that have been placed on uh, reps and advisors uh, in recent years, I'm thinking about regulation by and just the record keeping required. Uh, you're asking your spreadsheet to do a lot if uh, <laughs> you're asking it to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit more than the lookup or something like a yeah. day long. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Okay, all right. So let's shift gears. We talked about the, uh, the macro kind of how the space you think is going to evolve itself over the next few years. Let's shift down to the, let's focus attention back on the advisor and the individual rep. Uh, Let's let's talk about what business track practices you think will be critical to the success of advisors and reps over the next few years, and uh, what what business practice will differentiate the successful people in the years ahead. So stop me if you heard this before, but okay. I really think the future um, the, the the future is laid with in terms of personalization, um, which you know, ta da! Yeah. I'm not the first to say that, but yeah, I'll give you a little bit of deeper in, insight into what I mean by that. So I think first is making sure you could demonstrate the expertise that that specific client or specific client prospect needs in order to solve their problem. So that's something that if they're looking for somebody who is an investment manager, uh, that you can demonstrate that investment management expertise. If they're looking for somebody who's more um, of a, I don't want to say handholder, but a, a, what a quote unquote financial coach, um, that you can demonstrate that ex expertise as well. The second part is really using that expertise to show that I know your financial goals, I understand what it's gonna to take to get there, and here's the path we're gonna take. And I think it, on it on its face, if advisors can take those two two approaches, I think they'll be safe no matter where the direction, what, what generation they serve, whether they serve you know, uh, upcoming high net worth clients or even current high net worth clients, everybody's gonna want this personalized approach to their own experience with the advisor. Gotcha. Yeah, you, you, I, I've seen surveys in the trade pubs that uh, come up from time to time that talk about uh, um, uh, clients are willing to pay more for personalized service. And uh, that's got to be catching the attention of people. For, for sure. I, I mean, I, I think part of the downside of, of some of the tools and, and marketing tools that, you know, I'll speak as a marketer, we're, we're some of the worst actors out there. Uh, we think like putting somebody's name in a subject line is personalization when it's not the content that they're, they're receiving is you know just general content that everybody receives and that's not I, I don't think that's what i mean by personalization what i mean by personalization is understanding the audience understanding what the audience needs to hear and being able to provide the expertise whether i'm finding it curating it from a source or delivering it myself um being able to sort of uh, uh deliver that to them for instance take a take a, about a year and a half ago um, when the market fell, what, 25% in two weeks or so, Ooh, yeah. um, you know, oh. advisor, advisor really didn't need to be talking about the factors that are driving the market. What they really needed to be talking to their clients about is to why they should hold on and why they should not make, uh, make a big change during, a, during a, you know, a big transition like that. And lo and behold, the market's return and everything is, you know, becomes hunky-dory, well, for the lack of a word, in, in market terms. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, that's where you, advisors can really step in and deliver that personalized advice given the situation that may be at hand. Right, right. Yeah, I think the, um, uh, it, it, it certainly, it, that was, 
I can't tell you how many times FMG put uh, together articles or videos or just talking about staying the course during that period of time. But, uh, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things you really can't touch on enough. Well, and, there, um, and there's that gap there between the practitioner and the client. So mm -hmm. the, the practitioner may think, oh, I say stay the course all the time, but it may be the first time the client hears it. And it may be the time of even more so that maybe the time, the first time the client really needs to hear it given the situation. So sometimes that rep repetition is really important. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, FMG is writing about inflation on a weekly basis and has for about the last two months. And, uh, I, I, I think we reached the sweet spot when, um, when, when the, when the staff starts to complain about, Oh, not another inflation story, but, to, to the individual rep or the individual advisor that's using it, they might only have sent out one or two. And of those one or two, maybe the person catches one. Um, so it, it really is that repetition of really what's going on and those key trends, identifying those. Yeah, and inflation is such an interesting topic because it's been so long. I mean, you have people who are you know in their 40s who likely never lived into in a situation where inflation was a key factor. Right. Um, so, you know, you have a whole gap of people that really just haven't carried that knowledge with them. Now, people my parents' age, people in their 70s, very much so. Have, you know, they bought their first house at 18, 20% interest. Uh, oh, yeah. So I think, oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's um, it's good that y'all are doing that work and good that you're help, helping advisors sort of educate um, the, the on, on the unknown to a lot of a big group of people. Yeah, it's all about purchasing power. It's all about the, the fear of uh, uh, when there's, when inflation is around. Okay, so uh, here's a good one for you, Ryan. Uh, let, let's say, uh, okay, tomorrow you have to conduct a seminar called The Marketing Lessons Advisors Are Missing in 2021. All right? Marketing sure. Lessons Advisors Are Missing. All right. What? Give me three ideas of what advisors uh, or reps are missing uh, and, and, and kind of put it in the context of uh, what, what, what they're missing and what they can change and how they can, how quickly they can uh, adjust that. Sure. So I will, um, I'll, I'll start very micro and then I can, I can go more broadly. So number one, sure. social media is for being social. Um, it's not just a megaphone to blast out everything. You need to spend time in other people's content. So if you have, say, if you're in a broker dealer network or an OSJ, Spend time commenting and liking and sharing stuff from other people that, you know, that may not be come from you. It's not just a platform to blast things out. You really need to spend time um, liking and sharing and engaging with other people's stuff who you who are part of your network or who, or who are part of your, your um, you know, just your entire social world. I think that's a mistake as more people, um, you know, as compliance constraints have loosened up and advisors have been able to do more social media, they haven't really engaged the social aspect of it. They just engaged in the blasting out part of it. And I think that that's something that uh, is an opportunity. Uh, interesting. Um, the second one is, I think, um, oftentimes, uh, I think financial advisors can be lost. We just talked about this a little bit, but lost in um, the market mumbo jumbo and it, it sort of ignore the behavioral finance aspects that their, their clients really need. Um, if you, you know, standard deviation and all this market stuff, you know, that stuff is somewhat a dime a dozen with the asset managers and money managers out there. What, a finance, what they need from the financial advisor is to know how it's going to be okay, how the financial advisor can help them and what sort of put things into the proper context that the client doesn't have. And I think that that's something that I think a lot of advisors miss in the marketing. They want to talk numbers and they want to talk economics, but my wife doesn't understand economics. She understands whether we're going to be able to keep a roof over our head and send our daughter to college. And I think right. that that's 
that's something that's I think really important that often isn't as big a part of the marketing mix as you would hope. And then lastly, number three, which I think this is sort of just a personal flag that I try to carry is um, if they could stop seeing marketing as a task to complete, but see it as a firm, as a key part of firm culture and a key part of the client experience they're looking to deliver, that marketing is this, marketing can be this, this band around everything they do and not just, oh, I have to go market this week, so I need to go post something or I need to go send out this newsletter. That's, those are marketing tactics. That's not necessarily the marketing strategy or um, the purpose of uh, how you can be effective in marketing. Gotcha. No, no, no. I've heard some reps say, gosh, you know, Mike, I'm, I'm just not good at marketing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm good at being a financial advisor. Um, how would you coach them? What would you tell them? How do they, should they be bringing in different resources? How, how should they, how would, how would you recommend someone like that proceed? Sure. So I, I, the, the, it's good news and bad news. Um, so good news for financial advisors is you don't really need to be the best marketer in the world. You can bring on you know consultants or you can bring on tools like FMG Suite or, or, or others that really understand what are the right things to say. But the other flip side I would turn on to them is to say being them is what has got them the business that they have today. So uh-huh. look for ways to bring that character and that voice and that expertise to more people is probably going to be most effective for them. Um, and, and not trying to get down into the KPIs of marketing and all this, you know, the funnel and all that stuff. Really, really try to figure out exactly what messages do they want to bring to whom, and then help try to, you know, have somebody help them try to figure out the the mechanisms and the channels that they can do so. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's uh, it it's it's very critical for uh, 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 the the advisors and the reps to really embrace what you said there. It's it's they were the ones that were successful. I think sometimes they look at it and think, well, I'm not that interesting. I just am, you know, I'm, I'm just Mike. I'm just not really, you know, just what I do, but, but the, the stories they can impart, the, the wisdom they can tell, uh, that, that can lead to a pretty high interest rate and excuse me, an interest and a following, uh, faster than you can realize. Yeah, no, I, and I, and I think there is a, um, there is a needle to thread between coming off as arrogant and a know-it-all and in the marketing. But I do think um, people are literally seeking them out because they have a, they have expertise to share that they can't find in other places. And so I think finding that balance, I think, um, can, can, be, can lead to a lot of success in, when it comes to sort of advisor marketing. Gotcha. You know, the, the second point you touched on, too, is... Um uh advisors when they're they're communicating they get they get lost in talking about the market and they forget the behavioral side really i think i think uh, that's so true uh fmg we wrote an article this week on inflation and we we talked about the used cars and how that's uh how that how used car inflation is is running far ahead crazy of other market. things. Crazy yeah, it's market. It's a crazy right market. It's crazy. But you know, we conclude by saying, you know, inflation is a very personal uh, issue. I mean, if you if you're in the car for a used market or used car and you drive a lot and you and you're buying beef at the grocery store, inflation's going to be really high for you. But if you own an electric vehicle and you're a vegan. Yeah, not so much. Not right now. Uh, so it's it's a very personal kind of thing to help uh, to help the individual figure out. Well, even in the high net worth space. So let's just take a high net worth individual where, where inflation may not be um, affecting their financial plan at the moment today. What a financial advisor can think about is maybe this this client has a charitable 
mindset and a charitable heart, maybe it's time to talk to them about maybe upping some of their giving um, and because more people are having struggling to put uh, food on the table because of higher prices or higher gasoline. So like there's always a way to sort of find your way um, to connect what the client needs with the trend that's happening, even if you think, oh, well, my my clients are, are wealthy. They're not worried about you know gas prices going up 25 cents. Well, that's probably true on their personal standpoint, but their belief set and what they're what the the purpose they want to do with their money it may tie in directly. Right, exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's leave that. I think uh, I think we that uh, that's awesome. I, I think the the lessons that advisors are missing. Um, good stuff there. I, I I like to I want to end today's podcast with kind of a, a kind of a fun question. Uh, I want to. Uh, Ryan, give me an idea of who the thought leaders are that you follow and, and how do you follow them? Do you follow them on Twitter? Do you follow them on uh, what, how do you how do you interact with them? Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't use Twitter as much as I used to. I think I've just um, the noise on the platform has sort of pushed me away. I am, sure. um, for lack of a better word, obsessed with LinkedIn. I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn because that's a lot of where I get my news, both on the industry and from my network. I think um you know, Aaron Klein from Riskalyze, you know, shares a lot of great content. Ryan Shanks, who's a, a friend of mine who uh, runs a, a transition firm called FA Match. Um, he's always liking and sharing and really engaging with people. Uh, Craig, Is Craig Iskowitz is a, uh, from the Ezra Group, uh, is a consultant we work with, and he's always diving into sort of the new, the latest and greatest of, of advisor fintech. And I think um, he's really important. So that's really where I, I spend a lot of my time. I think I also use Google. Um, Google News has a really good, um, good and bad, but it's a good algorithm of the stuff you read. It starts queuing up more stuff tied to the topics that you read. And so, I, you know, I use that from an aggregation standpoint to get more stuff queued up my way. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So, uh, here, here's the, here's, here's kind of the $64,000 question. What thought leaders would you recommend financial professionals follow? Um, so I think, um, I'm trying to, how, how I can say this, um, politically correct. Um, everybody, <laughs> better be, everybody better be paying attention to the women, the women in the financial services space. Um, there's a fire lit under them that are they are doing some great things, leading great companies. I think of like Samantha Russell, who you know works with FMG, Tina Powell, right. April Rudin, Amy Weber, who runs Cambridge, uh, Greer Rubling, who is also another advisor transitions person, Michelle Berry, uh, who's the CEO over at Grove Point Advisors. The, the, there's so many women I could spend here and, and spend 10 minutes talking about. Um, how they really are revolutionizing the advice business. Um, and I think all of us better stand up and take notice. And, and I think you know, paying attention to what they're doing probably makes sense for anybody who's interested in the industry. All right. So uh, run those down for us one more time, Ryan. <laughs> that was quick. I heard, I, I heard, Samantha, I heard Samantha. Samantha, uh, Tina Powell, uh, April Bruden, uh, Amy Weber, who runs Cambridge, Michelle Berry, uh, who's the CEO at Grove Point, uh, and then Greer Rubling, uh, who's a, a advisor transitions uh, pro pro uh, professional. Awesome, perfect. Now, would uh, would a rep, would a financial professional find them on? Uh, would they would they follow them on Twitter? Would they see what they're posting on LinkedIn? What would you recommend? Every, everyone I mentioned is pretty heavily involved on LinkedIn. I know April Rudin publishes a newsletter on LinkedIn. Samantha, of course, is always there. Um, same thing with uh, Tina Powell. Um, so I think that Tina's been big into uh, SoundCloud, um, which I haven't got as into as much. Um, it, sorry, Clubhouse, not SoundCloud. SoundCloud's a different, something different. Uh, Clubhouse. Um, I just I haven't uh, spent a lot of time there just yet. 
Gotcha. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, some good takeaways for everybody listening. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, appreciate all the insights, and uh, uh, we we will we'll be keeping an eye on DocuPace and kind of what's ahead for you guys. And and thanks for sharing all that information about the um, what advisors are missing and the thought leaders. It's all good stuff. Uh, all good takeaways for the reps. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.